Welcome to the midweek Mission Ridge podcast known as Footnotes. Footnotes is here to give you some of the stuff that we didn't have time to cover in the sermon and encourage you to dig in deeper as you study the text. So let's dive in and check out what's in the footnotes. Welcome to another episode of Footnotes. Glad to have you here. Yeah. Uh, this, this is going to be a little interesting. We got uh, in the studio today, we got me and Rob. But we're also piping in, we did a Zoom conference interview with Emmy, Emmy, Emma, 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 and Angie, mixing the two names together. Shame on me. <laughs> Emmy and Anja? No. <laughs> Does it work? Uh, Emma and Angie at Watson's Children's Shelter. And uh, we did a little Zoom conference because obviously we want to stay socially distanced from everyone and help keep them... Uh, secluded because uh, they're working around kids and stuff and keep our social distancing because of COVID-19. Right, right. COVID-19. Right? Oh, that was, that's been my favorite TikTok thus far. Somebody did like a, a they took a, <laughs> a Come On Irene and they'd read it to COVID-19 and it was about washing hands and all sorts of stuff. It was hilarious. I have to be honest with you. I had no idea that that was to the Come on, Eileen Tune, and I know that song well. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Uh, nonetheless, I, I can't wait for Sunday so me to so I could go check out the, uh, <laughs> the social media. As opposed to me sending you a link and breaking your fast. Yeah, that might yeah. be our shortcoming for this week. Our oh, shortcoming man. for this week was, uh, well, you and me went on an adventure, and uh, because I gave up fast food for Lent. It took us forever and a day to get oh, Buffalo man. Wild Wings. That was slow takeout. That was not fast food. No, no. I bless think her heart, Sierra over there, the Buffalo Wild Wings. She was doing her best. I think they forgot to turn on their ovens. Like I, I don't know. Are you open at eleven? Yes, we are. Are your here, ovens running at eleven? <laughs> no, here, they are not. Here's here's our order. Oof, it was Ooh, it was forty rough. minutes later. Yeah, it was. That yeah. was that was tough. But she give uh, she did give me extra wings. It so was tasty. It was delightful. It was, yeah, so tasty. So nonetheless, that was a shortcoming. Worth the wait. Uh, but the other one was so you gave up social media for Lent, and I sent you a face. I sent you a meme on Facebook last night, and and then I got a message back from you, and you were like, "You made me break my fast, but that was hilarious." <laughs> And then I felt bad. I felt so bad. I'm like, I made him wait for Buffalo Wild Wings, and then I send him a meme, and I just bring his whole fast just crashing down around him. <laughs> I thought it was a picture. I thought I was clicking on a picture. Oh. And so, and so then it opened up the app. Yeah, and like, uh, oh, oh, I should have waited. That's all right. Um, I repented. I'm sorry. Yes. I'm sorry. So shortcomings, we're bad at Lent. <laughs> <clears throat> I call it Lent light. Lent light. Yeah, we are Jeez. Lent light. We are not. I think the other shortcoming mm-hmm. was uh, I I I listened to the sermon again because I want to kind of catch what you said and what I said, like and just kind of the the merger of those two things. A little we, compare contrast. We were we spent so much time resolving technical figuring issues. out what the heck we were doing. Yeah, starting something brand new. Yep. That we. We came late to the, uh, you know, our process for focusing on the message was kind of delayed, and so we didn't integrate uh, 
really well with their message. Uh, it was close. First time, it was roughly right. It was roughly right. I mean, you know, it, it helps it us understand right. what kind of process we need to take, take when we team teach. But I, so I was listening to it, and I said 600 laws, and I hit the rewind button. Did I really say 600? Because it's 613. Oh, man. And like, I didn't even catch that when you were, when I'm you like, were talking. Did I say 600? Yeah, oh. 613. Yeah, 613 is in the 600s. It is. Yeah, it's 600-ish laws, I it's guess. Si- 600 light. <laughs> like Lent light. Lent, Lent light. Ish. Lent ish. ish. Lent ish. 613 or 600 ish. Um, yeah, so there you go. There, we're we're still good news, guys. Despite the COVID zombie apocalypse, we are still human. Yes, we are. But um, and my jokes are still bad. <laughs> I'm sorry. Nonetheless, we we'll have to uh, double tap that joke. Oh. Oh, <laughs> uh, and rule number one: cardio. <coughs> <laughs> Go and find the meaning of this. That that was for Kevin. I know Kevin loves that movie. Anyway, um, yeah. So like I said, we we piped in Watson's Children's Shelter for uh, the podcast today, and we did uh, we did a little Zoom interview. We've been using Zoom all over the place. Everyone and their dog has been using Zoom. Yeah. Um. I heard. I think Mike told me yesterday when we were doing our care group that it has been downloaded over a million times in the last week or so. If you're buying stock this week. Uh, it is up 50% uh, in the last uh, 10 days, mm. if I remember correctly. Uh, I, I My friend Gus bought one share of, of Zoom stock, which was not very expensive. So I think it was a dollar. <laughs> I think he, he has a dollar's worth of stock or something. So He's got a buck 50 today. Yeah, he's got a buck 50. <laughs> Ooh, hot dang. Uh, riding the markets, nonetheless. Uh, so yeah, we we piped in Watsons and with uh, Emma and Angie, and so we're gonna cut to that interview uh, right now. All right, we're joined with Emma and Angie from Watsons. Uh, glad to have you guys with us today on Footnotes. Um, if you, uh, Emma, do you want to just introduce who you are and, and what you do at Watson's and then we'll have Andrew, Angie introduce herself? Sure. Yeah. So my name is Emma Anderson and I am the new executive director for Watson Children's Shelter. I came on about three months, two months ago. And before that, I was a program director at Watson's. So I'm not new to the agency, but uh, new to this role there. Yeah. Nice. Excellent. And my name is, oh, sorry. Uh, my name is Angie Doucette, I'm the development director. And I have been here in this role for a little over a year. Um, but I have been volunteering with Watson's for about six years now in a group called the Guild, which is kind of a behind the scenes group that just does volunteering opportunities that um, are completely behind the scenes. We don't have anything to do with the kids directly, but it's all things that Watson needs uh, help from the community and just from a small group of trusted people that they can count on. So I've been super lucky to be part of that for quite a while. Cool. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, we've uh, we've partnered with Watson's a couple of times in the past. I know we've helped out the last couple of years with the Bike for Shelter. Um, we yep. helped out with uh, a little bit over the summer with some neat uh, packaging and stuff. Uh, oh, who was we were working with? Your who's the the cook chef? She kind of does Sonia. a little bit. Of, 
There you go, Sonia. Yeah. Yeah. Sonia, yeah. We were helping out with her down in the freezer with the big old walk-in freezer, me and a couple of high school students. That was great. Um, yeah. A hoot and a half. Uh, she's excellent. But anyway, so we, we really love what you guys do. Um, but Rob, you had uh, got some questions there? Yes, absolutely. So um, tell us a little bit about the, the story of Watson's. Sure. Do you want me to go, Emma? Sure, yeah. <laughs> um, so Watson actually started with Janice Watson. Uh, she had a daycare center in her home on 4th Street. And in 1977, it officially became the Watson Receiving Home. And it kind of started ground roots. Um, policemen knew that she was a super lovely, welcoming person. And um, when people would get arrested or there was a family crisis, usually what would happen is that the children involved in this crisis would end up having to stay either in another jail cell adjacent to one of their family members, or they would have to find a hospital bed and none of those places were available. Um, they called on Janice to say, hey, can you keep these kids for a couple of nights until we can find family? And that's really how the whole story started. And in 1977, she became the Watson Receiving Home. And um, it has just kind of blossomed from there. In 2000, we built our first official shelter. And that is located by the Community Medical Center um, and Ronald McDonald House. And then in 2010, we built our larger shelter uh, here on Buckhouse Lane, which is where our offices are located. And um, I think mainly everyone needs to know that we care for 24 children, infants to 14, and we're an emergency shelter. So anytime that a kid is experiencing something um, and unsafe conditions, and um, we're that place where, um, where they can find shelter until permanent, um, temporary to permanent shelter can happen for them. Mm. That's so cool. That's so cool. So this started in 77 and this started in, in a home. And, you know, we're, we're talking through experiencing God in the series and uh, during Lent. And when you guys told me the story when I visited a couple months ago or a month ago, I guess it was, I was just kind of in awe of how this started so small. It started organically it started with someone just going, I think I'm supposed to do something about this. And I, I imagine that she, she couldn't have pictured where this would go, you know, over, man, was it 33, 40, 42 years? Yeah. You know, and so, um, yeah, it's super cool story. Uh, tell us about, um, some practical things, what you do with the kids, because uh, the way you guys minister uh, and bless the kids, to me, it was mind-blowing. I was, it was way bigger than I anticipated. Great. So, yeah, there's a lot that we do um, to really make sure that the kids coming into our care, a lot of them have been through some pretty traumatic experiences and um, we want to make sure that they know that they're going to be safe. Uh, they know what to expect while they're in our care and yeah. that they're nurtured and um, 
really loved while they're at Watson's. And so a couple of things we do to make that happen. Uh, like you mentioned before, Sonia, she's our kitchen manager. She's amazing. She um, is sure to make homemade meals for kids every day. Uh, if we have a new child who's come into our care, we she does her best to um, make a meal that maybe that's their favorite meal. And just to show them that um, they're at home here and they're safe here and that we care about them specifically, individually. So yeah. that's one yeah. thing we do. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, when I was there, you know, and some of the things that I saw you guys doing, like just the extra mile that you guys would go to make a kid feel welcome, whether it was making sure there was a stuffed animal or, you know, they usually come with nothing. And so now you provide them with a whole set of clothing yeah. and, 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 and some toys and they end, they end up with their own space and their own closet space. And it just... This, this stuff starts to accumulate and you teach them how to value themselves and how to value their the space that they're in and, and they're able to earn some money in the process through that and you catch them up on their dental and their medical stuff because oftentimes they haven't had that uh, from the environment they, they come out of. And, and, and while you guys are doing what you're doing to make the kids safe, the state's working with, with the parents to help them become a safe place for the kid to return. So I, you know, when I think about the way you guys go after uh, caring for the kids, I, I think about Abraham. Uh, he's waiting, he's resting outside his tent and, and the Lord comes with, with the, with a couple of angels. Abraham doesn't know that doesn't know who this is, but he runs to him anyway. And he says, Hey, let me get you a little something to eat. And so they, they sit down and, and he runs, he runs to uh, get a fattened calf and to have his wife uh, make a little bit of bread. How many pounds of flour is he? About 70. 70 pounds of flour. And the Jews would say it was, it's a miracle about, you know, how, how much bread she can make. Yeah. How much bread she can make in, in a short period of time. And like, she didn't have your kitchen. <laughs> you guys have an amazing kitchen. She didn't have that. She had a big tent, I guess, apparently. Um, <laughs> fire. They're, they're, they're nomads. And, and then he runs to them with the food and he stands there by their side as they eat. And these are strangers that Abraham is ministering to. And, and, when I saw all of the things that you guys do and you give tours, right? So people could reach out to you and get a tour like, like I did go and take a look at what they're doing, because this is how you go the extra mile and caring for people that have come out of a traumatic hard place. Um, I was really taken aback by all that you guys do. So thank you for, for that. And what an amazing uh, team you have. Um, Tell me about Healthy Foundations, because I know you guys um, are looking at how do you make sure that, well, tell me about Healthy Foundations. Yeah, so our Healthy Foundations program, it's it's just a part of that story about how Watson's has developed over time. And, you know, as an agency, we were really considering our homes, both shelters have been full consistently for over five years. And, mm. you know, we wondered 
do we really need to, to build another shelter to accommodate the number of kids being placed in out-of-home care? You know, what are we going to do to be able to expand our impact in the community? And so instead, we decided to implement a program. It's called Healthy Foundations. And what we do is we enroll families into, it's an intensive home visiting program. And we work with families who are just experiencing different challenges in their life, whether that's food insecurity or poverty or mental health or substance use, uh, their own historical trauma and their childhood, whatever that may be, we enroll them during their pregnancy. And then we work with them in their home, uh, helping them just with practical parenting skills, with bonding and attachment, learning how to be um, safe parents and also navigating all of those other challenges that might be on top of the normal challenges of becoming a parent. So uh, that's what we do. And that started about two years ago now. Wow. I love that. And that I know that for we have to have a place for kids to land. That's a reality. I'm hoping that through Healthy Foundations and other programs happening through through our, our region, that we could get to the point where we don't require the shelter. Uh, I, I love the creativity you guys have uh, applied to that. So. Um, we are, for those of you listening to the podcast, we are actually in three different places uh, for this portion of our, our uh, time today. Um, and we're doing that to promote social distancing and, and just protect uh, Emma and Angie. So they are uh, joining us via Zoom call um, Zoom uh, video recording because of the COVID-19. I imagine this has impacted you guys in significant ways. Can you share what that has looked like for you guys within the last couple of weeks? Definitely. So um, as you can imagine, it's a pretty challenging time for everybody. And as an emergency shelter, we really don't have the ability to close down. We have to maintain um, the work that we're doing and care for the 24 kids that we have here right now. So we're just implementing as many safety precautions as we can, trying to follow along with the CDC's recommendations and our local DPHHS recommendations. And as you can see from the video chat, Angie and I are not even in the same place. Uh, we are on a rotating schedule. The admin side of things we're rotating in that front office and so yeah. that's one yeah. way that we're just trying to protect ourselves on a day-to-day -day basis um we also have closed our front doors to donations from the public for the time being uh there's still ability to donate um online but for now we're just trying to minimize the number of people coming in and out of our doors and also the kids are not in school because the school's being right. closed down right. and so that's been a bit of a, a transition and we're adjusting for that because we normally during summer when we know they're going to be off we have so many activities planned they're so busy sure. and engaged yeah. consistently through the summer but right now we don't have as many options because we really are trying to promote social distancing outside of the shelter so internally there's i mean not much we can do other than practice hyper um uh, vigilance on their hygiene and promote that within our shelter. But otherwise, we're trying to just kind of maintain that that safe bubble here and encourage our staff when they go home to also maintain social distancing and, and their own personal hygiene as well. So sure. 
Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah, and that's, you know, so your summer programming has been accelerated or moved up. Moved up. The timeline's <laughs> been moved up, maybe. Uh, I know that you guys work with uh, the school counselors for ensuring that students stay on track. Uh, you know, when the students get home, you already know what their uh, subject, you know, what's, what their homework looks like. And so I imagine as the schools get creative and, and if this um, quarantine in place or, um, you know, this limited travel continues and our, our students continue to stay home, uh, there may be some things that your staff's going to have to address, you know, to help the kids with their schooling. And, and, and so that's, I imagine that's going to drive uh, some changes for you guys too. Yeah, we've experienced some changes right away um, because we're not allowing people into our building. Um, even deliveries were, we're having UPS and FedEx just go to the door and ring the doorbell and then we'll go out and pick up the packages and um, put them on a back counter for a while. Um, but even parents who have visitation, those now, instead of coming into our building, those are done via phone. Uh, so right. we have the phones have been ringing off the hook because we have their um, their therapy appointments are done by phone. Uh, family visits are done by phone. Um, some of their friends who are also home are calling in to talk to their friends who live here. So we've been really busy just fielding all of those phone calls and making sure that the kids have their uh, space to talk to their family members and their counselors. So we've been pulling phone cords underneath doorways so that everybody can have their own uh, space to have those conversations. So um, I think just making sure we're doing the same things here that we're also doing in our own personal homes and trying to figure out how that's going to work. Um, just sure. keeping it a safe place for the kids. Yeah. It sounds like you've invited UPS to ding dong ditch you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I translate. <laughs> so, I feel so bad because it's always fun to have all of those delivery people come in and we always have conversations. And so now you're just waving through the door like, yeah, I'll see you when I see you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah uh, that's rough. Well, and uh, in fact, Emma, I know that you are in the Air National or Army National Guard. Yes. And, uh, and I think like there's so many of these experiences that remind me of uh, the preparation. I was in the Air Guard, your Army Guard. Um, and and so I spent 20 years uh, preparing myself to be able to go to war and then helping other people prepare for that as my career went on. And I would actually do IG inspections and go around the country and and help put on these fictitious wars and just see how people responded. And, you know, the placards that are on the outside of businesses or at the parks, you know, remind me of all the uh, different, the chem warfare training that we did, the, um, yeah, just, it's, it's so surreal to have that, that military experience. And then applying this to my house, you know, or to, yeah. my, or to my church, you know, or to my community. Like, I, I just didn't anticipate something like this happening. Uh, tell me a little bit about your experience with 
uh, in the army and, and your role locally. Cause I think that's super cool that you, you're a, um, citizen soldier. Yes, I am. So I, I did ROTC in my undergrad at Gonzaga university, and then I commissioned as a second lieutenant and went on to a national guard unit in Seattle, Washington, where I lived and, and went into my master's program in social work. And so I actually have never had to deploy as a member of the army, not overseas at least, but I have had to deploy for things like fires in Eastern Washington and um, responding to floods and things along those lines. So yeah, it's really interesting because I always felt like my social work world and my army world were really separate from each other. Yeah. They didn't overlap a lot. They're very different in um, their mission. And uh, But since this has all happened, like you were talking about, it is really interesting. Um, in our civilian lives, we don't really prepare for things like this. This doesn't happen. Um, at least in my lifetime, it's never happened. And so right now I am the executive officer at A23rd MCT. It's a movement control team. It's a small um, team that basically just supports movement of other units. Um, and right now we're honestly, we're pretty shut down. We're trying to transition where, what our annual training was going to be. We're, we're not having our normal, um, our monthly uh, trainings. And so we're just trying to keep everyone as safe as possible until we need to to potentially rise up. I know that they're calling on national guard units across the country to kind of help support the response to COVID nineteen, and so haven't heard anything about that yet for Montana. But I'm we'll see what comes in the coming weeks. Yeah. Well, what's interesting is that the national guard doesn't always deploy overseas. Sometimes we are called upon to help in these homeland defense kind of you know, response, whether it's, whether it's fire that threatens uh, a city or a community or, or something like this, um, a pandemic. And so, yeah, we can be called upon uh, when we're, when we serve in that function, be called, called upon. Um, but yeah, it's been, for me, uh, I've been contacting some, some of my uh, retired chief buddies and just like, hey, tell me what's going on. I, I hear Washington State's being called up. And so, uh, well, thank you for your service. Um, you know, our, our citizen soldiers, they wear these two hats and they live in these two worlds and they protect, protect us. So I'm, I'm pretty proud of that tradition and I'm proud of you for what you do, both for the community at large uh, through the Army, but also what you do for the community at large here in Missoula. So, uh, appreciate you guys. Love the way you guys do ministry. Um, folks, we can learn from Watson's Children's Shelter and the way they do things. Uh, their number one re need right now is financial. So um, typically... Where can, uh, where can people give? Yeah, you can log on to our website, watsonchildrenshelter.org, and um, you can hit the Donate Now button. And we also always have a wish list of items that we're looking for. Um, so you can always check that out. Right now, though, again, we're trying to keep our doors closed to the public. But uh, we have an Amazon wish list. So you can order from the safety of your couch in your pajamas. And it will get delivered here to our door. That and is my favorite way to help out. <laughs> <laughs> if I can do it so, from the couch, you got me. 
Yes. <laughs> so we're we're not closing our donation need for sure because of this time. Um, nonprofits around the country are really struggling. So we're super grateful for anybody who takes the time to um, to think about any of us. Um, there's a lot of people who are in a lot of need. So uh, we're very grateful for our donors that have supported us, but we're also reaching out to other nonprofits uh, in Missoula and Montana and just making sure that all those people are doing well too. Mm. So sometimes we all need to band together to help one person out. So um, anything that anyone can do for everybody makes a, makes a difference. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And we typically help you guys out with your bike for shelter event. That's in May. We'll be talking again as, as that time comes closer. We're hoping that that uh, can, will happen in May. Um, but we will, as we get closer, we'll bring you guys back on uh, because that's a big event for you guys. So looking forward to having that conversation, whether it's for May or maybe at another time. I'm sure that's a conversation you guys are having, but we will, we will be in the game for joining in that. Well, we're super grateful for Mission Ridge. We have a lot of fun with all of your volunteers, but we're just super grateful that you guys are so open-hearted and willing uh, with time and resources. So um, I thank you, but all of us here, thank you so much for, um, for joining us in your family. Cool. Cool. Well, you guys have a fantastic day and uh, yeah. Thanks for joining us on our podcast today. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Man, that was a tasty interview. Oh, Oh, so good. Oh, I, what they're doing is fantastic and they have a, they have a fantastic team and I'm not just from the front office, but everybody that I met just goes Mm -hmm. above and beyond the call of duty to really minister to those kids. Uh, I didn't know if they were Christ followers or not, but if they, if they weren't, they were showing Christ followers how to how to act, and and they are. Yeah, they're uh, they're that might be even even if you're not technically a Christ follower, but you're working at Watson's, you're probably on mission because like it oozes forth from that. Uh, you know that that's a yeah. thing. Um, yeah, doing love doing what they do. So Absolutely well. love what they do. They love on people exceedingly well. Yeah. Um, so good stuff there. Glad that we could uh, through technology through this exciting time. Uh, of Zoom and everything else, that we could uh, we could still meet with them. Well, and this is an experiencing God conversation because when when the gal I uh, can't remember her first name but last name Watson, uh, when she first started this in 1977, it started in her home, and her home wasn't set up mm-hmm. really to be uh, a place for receiving children, but. Much better than having, you know, little Jimmy and little little Johnny s- sleeping in the next cell over from their from their parents. Yeah, you know, at the at the local jail, and so it didn't matter that she didn't know what all the steps would take for her to be able to do this well. Uh, but this has just blossomed and grown. At, at one point, she grew large enough in her home that she had to put in a, a sprinkler system for fire suppression. She didn't have the money to do that. This is not a, a profitable business. They, 
they always have to raise funds to be able to do this well Mm -hmm. and serve these kids well and minister to them. And so she didn't know what she was going to do. Well, the fire marshal showed up with his buddies and with all the supplies and put in the fire suppression system Mm. at no cost to her. So cool. Yeah. Yeah. And that's just the way God shows up when we choose to engage. Absolutely. So I love this story. Yeah, she, uh, I, I, I have to be convinced that she, she saw that need and realized, you know, there's something, felt the need to do something. Yeah. Um, and if that, that's God speaking right there. Absolutely. Um, so speaking of God speaking, let's, uh, let's dig into some footnote fodder that we, uh, didn't get to in the sermon or wanted to go a little, dig a little deeper. Uh, have a little conversation over. <clears throat> the first uh, first thing was I, I mentioned we broke up proximity and attention or closeness and attention. Right. Um, as far as, as what that's required for relationship. Yep. And, and within closeness or proximity, uh, using those two words synonymously, uh, I broke it into time and space. Right. And and I mentioned that we were going to talk about this a little bit. Now, what I what I was when I was thinking about this and mulling over the the time and space thing, it occurred to me. And maybe you can disagree with me if if you want to. Um, that's fine. Uh, any anybody out there can just email me and be like, Logan, you're an idiot. You're completely wrong. Um, but I think that what I've seen in my relationships with people is that the more time that I can spend with them the less space is required necessarily. Not all the time. And that doesn't mean that I don't spend a lot of space with them. But, and I see it more clearly on the flip side, if I can't spend space with them, if, if you want to think of it as spending space, if I can't be in the same space as them. So, for example, we're quarantined from people. We're, we're socially separated, right? Right. I can't be around the people that I would normally be around in the same way that I normally would be around them, right. you know? <clears throat> and so what that means is I have to spend more time engaging with them in the ways that I can. Right. Um, so like, for example, the amount of, you know, we've got our Marco Polos going, right. Or the amount of uh, Facebook messages and memes that I am sending people is much higher than normal. Uh, the texting, the the calling. I've been on the phone with people more this week than I probably have in two months. Um, and, and just that's just kind of how it goes. I realized this uh, when when I moved to college, when I when I moved away from home, because I, I started off and I was in Southern Idaho, and my parents. I lived real close to them, and I'd see my dad pretty much every day. Um, I'd see my mom less than every day, but fairly often high frequency fairly i mean every once in a while i'd go about two weeks without seeing her but i'd be at her i'd be at her house that counts right sure go raid her fridge she just wouldn't (laughs) be home (coughs) love you mom uh but you know but when i moved up to moscow and now suddenly i'm eight you know six and a half hours away suddenly all of a sudden i found myself like i'd call home and we'd be talking like every night and my mom noticed that she was like you know, we talk more now than when you lived at home. 
<laughs> which is hilarious. Yeah. But I, I it, it goes to this. I think there's a bit of an inverse relationship between, or at least you compensate because it takes a little bit of both of mm. these. Let's let's say a relation ta- a relationship takes ten relationship points, and you can spend these ten relationship points on time and space, right? Right. And you have to spend at least one point in each category. We'll go with that. Uh, I'm making this up on the fly, so if it doesn't work out, I apologize. But I think it's going to work. And so if if I'm going to spend uh, five and five, right? Little time, little space. It'll be great. But if I can't spend as much in the time category, I'm probably going to try to spend more in the space category, right? Even if, you know, somebody's busy and I can't be interacting with them and we can't be having a conversation or something, then I just want to be around them, right? Or vice versa. If I can't be around them, then I'm going to need to spend more points in that time category so that the relationship still adds up to 10, in my mind, that's how that's working out. So you In- do with that what, what interesting, you will. Interesting theory. So what, what I'm hearing you say is my personal time in studying the scriptures in the morning, that has a, has a space value. And let's, let's say that has a space value of eight. Sure. If I'm not able to have that one-on-one connection time mm-hmm. but i'm i'm driving down the highway and i'm taking and i'm listening to a sermon so that that may be a little bit a little lower like it's not my thoughts it's there it's someone sure. else's thoughts might just be a three you know maybe a three and it's valuable sure um doesn't take it doesn't quite take up so you got to listen to a whole lot more three to get to that same amount of eight. Right. 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 I, I hope yeah. people are tracking with us here, but yeah. like, I think, I think this, I think this tracks. So personal engagement is the goal. And when I'm listening to a sermon online or, or even reading a devotional where someone else is expressing their thoughts about God mm-hmm. and I'm, so there's value to that. It's, it's kind of, it's kind of like discipleship because someone else is saying, Hey, this is what I've learned. Sure. And I'm the, I'm the teacher, you are the student, and so here you go, student. Here are my thoughts. And you go, "Oh, I like those thoughts." So there is some value to that. If that's all you ever do, you may be missing out on mm-hmm. some more personal, intimate connection that God invites you into. Absolutely. Always Absolutely. listening to someone else and their thoughts, <laughs> like just listening to Rob and and Logan preach. It's at least a two. That's it's, yeah, <laughs> one and three quarters for sure. For sure. For sure. <laughs> you know, if you just listen to other people and their views and their wrestling with God and not wrestling yourself, exactly. Well, and that's I think that's yeah. There's if I'm just listening to it, it, it might not even be a two or a three. I, it might just be entertainment. Right. Now, if I'm listening to a sermon or I'm listening to a study or whatever, and I'm bringing it in and I'm synthesizing it, and like, we'll, we'll, we'll take this weekend's, right? So I threw out these things that I've been doing in my life, right? Yeah. And I said, don't steal mine. They're mine. 
Now, I was joking, you know, I say that jokingly, but like the point that I was trying to get across without being a jerk is you have to take these and you have to wrestle with these concepts. Yes. And you have to absolutely. say, okay, this is the concept behind what Logan's saying, behind what Rob is saying, or in, integrated in what they are saying. This is the concept they are presenting. And you then have to take that concept and apply it to your life. And and we can't do that for you. No, no. It, it, no sermon can do that for you. You have that that that's what takes it from just being entertainment or knowledge gathering to now it's becoming personal relationship with God. Sure. And developing that, right? Yeah. That's the that's that's that step. And if you miss that step, then mm, you're missing out. Well, and then know this, even once you have developed your own pattern and let's say you regularly connect with God on a 10 level, 10 out of 10. You you balance this time and space and sometimes it looks you're one adding way. them up, you're getting them all in there, whatever chips you got to play, you're getting it all in there. Yep. I I think it should look different, a little different uh you know, either from day to day or from time period to time period like mm-hmm. like my Saturday from a Sabbath is different than my Monday through Friday. And then some of my days, some of my Monday through Fridays are interrupted by different events. And so even if you have that 10 out of 10 experience on a regular basis, uh, it could be interrupted. And and this is another way to think about the, the time and space. Thinking in terms of time as being, what do I regularly do? whether that's a day-by-day or week-by-week or month-by-month process. So what do I do regularly, and what and where do I do that? Because when and where can be interrupted by a number of things. You go oh, yeah. on vacation. That's going to throw off your rhythms, your routines, your space. Yeah. When you move, mm-hmm. every house I've moved to creates different space opportunities and I have better space opportunities actually in my current home than I did in my last home. When you when you say a space opportunity, Rob, um, what do you mean by that? For me, I have a chair that when I sit down in that chair and it's in my office and I I'm so social that if you are over at my house, when I have people come visit, mm-hmm. that messes with my with my time and space so quickly because I, <laughs> you know, I get distracted by people. Oh yeah, so easily, and so um, in our previous home, we had more of our kids living with us, and. It was harder for me to get away from the crowd to have just a personal connection time with God. Yeah. In fact, there's been times where uh, the best space for me was at a coffee shop. The best space for me was in my office. The best space for me was actually at work because mm. I could get away from people and I could I could shut shut out the distractions of the world. And, and focus. And so um, vacation has interrupted it for me. 
Uh, moving has interrupted for me, having guests over, mm-hmm. you know, when someone comes to town and, you know, they're early risers and, and, and I'm not. And so when I get up, I'm in this mode of entertaining people. Yep. You know, uh, COVID-19. COVID-19. You know, that's a little closer. That was, yeah, come on. I, I heard heard it that you, time. You got it that time? Yeah. Uh, you know, this <laughs> is, <laughs> COVID-19 has interrupted all of our schedules. And I think about like our single moms, uh, like maybe Molly, where I could imagine, and, and I'm not speaking for Molly, but I could imagine Molly sending the, the, the kids off to school and then having this time. Sure. And I know that. Her kids are early risers, so Molly is having to to balance all these this. all these rhythms and everything like that. Are just get they're getting thrown topsy turvy. Yeah, absolutely. Here's here's the thing to remember in all this. This is a relationship with a living being. Mm-hmm. He understands when your world gets turned upside down. And he just wants to relate with you. Sure. And so maybe you don't have the space. Take the time. Yeah, maybe you don't have that space and the time for for that eight experience like we were talking about, like the eight relational points. I don't know. Yeah. I really love this scale thing that we got going on. Maybe you could just send a quick text. But maybe you got maybe you got space that you can do four different twos during the day. And you're still getting that. You can make up for that. Yes. Right? You can com- You can shift and you can adapt. And you're still getting that time and the space. And you're still getting the closeness. Yes. To hear God speak, you have to give him closeness and attention. Yep. And it doesn't have to look the same as it did yesterday. In yep. fact, it, you may not have the ability to do it the same way that you did it yesterday. And it may feel awkward for a season, but it's okay. Sure. It's okay. And again, if you want to wrestle with us on these things, you know, like you're like, oh, I never thought about that. You know, we'd love to talk with you on these things. Like I've been doing this for a long time. Ancient, Ancient of, days. of days. There, so, there it was. <laughs> so, you know, reach out to us. Let us know, man, that started something new. I mean, I didn't, you know, I know for me as a young Christian, I experienced so much shame over not creating the time or not having the space or or just hitting this dry season, the season mm-hmm. that just was different for for whatever reason because I moved, because of change in schedule at work. There were so many different things have impacted this over my 40-some-odd years of, sure. of uh, looking to engage and to hear from God— and again, finding a way to provide closeness and attention so that he could speak to you individually is what we're after here. Absolutely. Well, and the other thing, like it's these concepts, there, there's one, if you get the concept, but you're not sure how to apply it. Right. That's the time when you come to the Havarim. Like you yes. said, we'll tie it right back to the sermon. This yep. is where you come to your community and this is where, you, and literally, this is what me and Rob are here for. Like, this, I love doing this crap. 
like let's wrestle through this stuff absolutely and figure out what does this look like i had to do that i had to go to a couple of my guys and be like all right so here's what i'm processing and i tend to be an external processor more often than not probably um and so i needed to process that out loud with them and wrestle through and have them come back at me with some questions and poke some holes and be like yeah no that probably isn't going to actually do what you want it to do right sure this is the the like you don't just don't just take this stuff in and and sit on it and say okay yeah yeah that's good but i'm not really sure but it uh, you know that's good no 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 wrestle with it wrestle Talk about it in care group. Bag talking about the questions. Just be like, all right, guys, this is what I'm wrestling with. Help me out with this one. Like derail the care group completely. Throw the curriculum out the window and just wrestle with what's going on in your life. Yeah. Those yeah. are the best care groups. Yeah. Yeah. Like I can't tell you. Those are my favorite. Absolute favorite. Yeah. I've thrown, I've thrown the questions out the door so many times to have a real wrestling match over something that God is trying to do in a person's life. Absolutely. And and so it's it's so valuable. That hovering concept is so valuable. And then just know that we are different. Mm-hmm. You know, I have four kids, and they relate with me in four distinct ways. And if each one wrote down a, a, a book of, hey, this is how— we are to relate with God. They would, or with Rob, not God, with Rob. Uh, <laughs> if they were to just uh, put on paper, hey, this is how this is how you relate with Dad. It would come across four different ways, drastically different. Yeah, and and so you engaging with God doesn't have to look like Logan and and the things that Logan shared from his sermon. Or his part of the sermon, it doesn't have to look like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things I was, uh, I can't remember which author brought this up, but they they talked about uh, you got people that run and they do the five Ks, you know, a couple of five Ks a week, whatever. Uh, they run a mile here, run a mile there. I run to, you know, the bathroom. Uh, I was thinking. You know, the kitchen. Yeah, you know, I run to the kitchen. Run to the fridge. Run to the fridge. <laughs> but, but then there's those folks that they run three miles every day, and then there's folks that they run marathons, and then you have the super marathoners. And from a spiritual standpoint, oh wait, a a super marathoner. Yeah. Hundred miles. Oh yeah. Yeah, they run 100 miles. Just for, you know, why Why not? Let's do that. Okay. That sounds like a fun race. So let's say Logan and I, in the spiritual world, let's say, for just for argument's sake, that we're both marathoners. And maybe our friend Marty Solomon, he's a super marathoner. Absolutely. Okay. In comparison. In comparison. I might be a 400-meter runner compared. Yeah. And so, and let's say you're looking... And you try to compare yourself to a, someone like Marty. I'm like, Marty, when it comes to actually studying the scriptures and studying about all the things around and about scriptures, like God has uniquely but, gifted him. Absolutely. I He and I could spend the same amount of time on the same kinds of things, and we are not going to end up with the same output. Nope. You guys are designed different. 
we're designing, I try, I, I value what Marty brings and mm-hmm. it blesses me uh, with what he brings to the kingdom, but I don't try to live like him. Mm-hmm. I have, I have different goals. I have, I have different responsibilities within the a kingdom. different design. You're a different part of the body. Yeah. So sometimes when we come to this, uh, to worship and this engaging with God's word and connecting with God and prayer, we compare ourselves with those super marathoners and we go, I can never do that. I, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and it, and it seems so far to be, but what's also interesting is if, if you do start running, it's actually interesting to me how many people actually do become marathoners. Like there are so many people in their forties and their fifties. That's when they actually start taking on pretty popular. And so, you know, start off with that mile. Well, and the other thing here, like, okay, so the concepts, like whether you're a 400 runner, whether you're a miler, whether you're a marathoner or whether you're a super marathoner, you're all still running. Ooh. So yeah. the movement still the same. The the so to use the analogy here, if you're in your in your studying with God, in your connection with God, and you're developing those rhythms, those habits, the closeness, the time, the space, um, right? The 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 interaction you know, with God in developing those aspects, Marty has time and space that he puts into his relationship with God to develop closeness. Right. Rob has time and space that he puts into his relationship with God. I have time and space that I put into my relationship to develop closeness with God. We all put those time and space in. They don't look the same for any of us. Correct. Correct. None of them are wrong. And the regimen is different. None of them are wrong, and none of them are more valid than the other. That's the thing. So for you, this is, and this comes back to it, you need to wrestle with this to figure out what this is going to look like for you. Absolutely. So, uh, it, and it's, because we can compare, I can compare myself to Marty and be like, yeah, no, I'm just, I, I'm never going to get to, like, I, I'm not wired that way. And that's not wrong. That doesn't make my closeness with God any less valid just because I come at it from a different angle. So just understanding the concept that we're all different in this and that's okay. We're diverse in this and that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Well, so our goal in this week's conversation is just to encourage you to hear God speak mm-hmm. and that happens by giving him closeness and attention, building a regular routine that includes that personal time for yourself. It's that connection time with your Havarim, and it's your connection time with a larger church. Mm-hmm. And when you create that closeness and attention in those three areas, you are going to hear God speak. You're going to know when he's speaking to you. And... It's going to be amazing. So that's that's really our conversation this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, super grateful that uh, you joined us uh, for 
uh, footnotes. Yeah, glad that you could be here with us. Uh, we're glad that Watsons could join us. Absolutely. And I uh, just want to do another shout out. Uh, reminder that, you know, especially right now, they're hurting for all nonprofits are hurting for for help uh, and really kind of struggling. So if you are in a place where you can help out with something, um, go ahead. And we got their website linked in the show notes. Hop on there and uh, just help them out in whatever way you can. Uh, if not, be praying for them because they're doing good work. Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, with that said, we'll catch you next time. Thanks for joining us. Peace. You've been listening to Footnotes on the Mission Ridge podcast. For more information about Mission Ridge, please visit our website at missionridge.church. Thanks for tuning in. We hope the rest of your week is straight up hashtag blessed and that you'll join us again next week for more footnotes.